0: Welcome back to Yang Daily. I'll be your host, Alex Cheney, bringing you all the Yang news you need to live your life right. Sorry for missing yesterday's episode, but we've got an exciting one today. Big drama for both New York City and the World Wide Web. I meant to dig into the UI labor shortage issue some more, but that'll have to wait for next episode. Never enough time in the day. Let's get rolling. Quick shout out to our Tier 3 patrons, Peter Park, Shay Mian, and Nathan Stankowski, as well as all our other patrons. You keep us all informed and engaged. If any of you out there want to join these Advocates of Humanity First and Independent Journalism, head on over to patreon.com yangdaily. It would only take a couple of bucks a month from each listener to keep this podcast and community going and growing into the future. Now on to the news. First off, we've got big moves in social media. Facebook has committed to suspending Trump's account for at least two years from the initial suspension date in January. In January of 2023, they will, quote, Look to experts to assess whether the risk to public safety has receded, end quote. They basically say that retribution will be swift if they reinstate the account and he reoffends. General changes were also announced. A strike system will be implemented to improve transparency on disciplinary action, and there will no longer be a free pass for politicians, supposedly. Facebook has a policy that allows them to ignore the content rules for anything they label newsworthy. Everything politicians said automatically received this exemption in the past, which was likely created specifically to allow them to ignore Trump's constant infractions. Now they are saying that politicians will be treated like anyone else, but they can still apply the newsworthy exception as they see fit, which pretty strongly undermines that entire system. They say they will be more transparent about that as well. Personally, I worry that it will be used to allow the spread of dangerous misinformation, just as the media ignited the anti-vax movement by spreading a completely bogus study. Newsworthy is likely just a euphemism for anything that will get lots of clicks, and thus, lots of profit. Turns out that when it rains social media drama, it pours, because at the same time, Nigeria's government says that it is indefinitely suspending Twitter itself, Just two days after the platform removed a post from President Buhara, which threatened secessionists blamed for attacks on government buildings. Specifically, Buhara said those of us who experienced the Nigerian Civil War, quote, will treat them in the language they understand, end quote. Information Minister Muhammad only confused the issue by saying that the government acted because of, quote, the persistent use of the platform for activities that are capable of undermining Nigeria's corporate existence, end quote. So they banned Twitter because people are talking bad about corporations or because people are using it to push back on special interests running the government or opposing capitalism, maybe? I don't know. Mohammed did not elaborate on the suspension or the cause. It's far from the first time the Nigerian government and Twitter have clashed over content rules. They've gone so far as to accuse Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey of supporting insurrection with some of his past decisions, so this conflict has been building for quite some time. We're now witnessing an interesting dichotomy. While Trump has led the charge in the US to remove the power of social media companies to filter misinformation, most of all his own, Nigeria's government is pushing the opposite end, attempting to force them to censor what the government considers misinformation. Either approach has its dangers, as does doing nothing. Twitter's website is currently inaccessible in Nigeria on some mobile carriers, while the app and website still work on others. Back in the US, if you missed the second New York City mayoral debate Thursday, well, that was partly my fault. I didn't hear about it until the day before and forgot to notify you all about the watch party. I am so sorry, don't hurt me. Fortunately, we can relive it through the magic of video and the interwebs. Credit to Al Gore. Yang was a great deal more assertive in this debate than I have ever seen him, so if you've been wanting to see him stand up for himself, this is the one to watch. He actually talked over other candidates when they tried to interrupt him, went over his allotted time a bit on most questions, lobbed some criticism at the other candidates, and defended himself when attacked. It was starkly different from his early presidential debates. The general narratives that Yang pushed were that he's the populist, grassroots candidate who can wrest control of the city away from special interests, bring new ideas, and alleviate poverty and crime. On the issue of experience, he did take the opportunity to point out that he has been doing work that matters, helping achieve a Democrat-controlled Senate and presidency, and lobbying them to pass stimulus and the child tax credit reform. And Eric Adams obliged us with the most memorable moment of the night in which he attacked Yang by claiming that Yang abandoned the city. You know, while he was in Georgia running a coordinated campaign for a federal Senate capable of passing relief for New York City and the country, which accomplished more good than Adams' entire career. In defending himself, Yang laid into Eric's career of corruption, saying that Adams had, quote, achieved the rare trifecta of corruption investigations, end quote, by being investigated for campaign finance violations at the city, state, and federal level. You don't see a burn like that outside of a gender reveal party. It was well-delivered and well-deserved. The the shake-the-money-tree line of the mayoral debates, if you will. Worse was that Adams responded by attempting to paint acknowledgement of his crimes as racism. Again. He even trotted out the ultimate guilty line of, I was never convicted. Like, wow, dude. And let me remind you, his office already admitted to some of these crimes. Evidence in the thread in the links, if you're unfamiliar. All of this came after Eric had praised his own 35 years in office as a qualification. Crowing about being a career politician when it's a career of corruption and bad policy is kind of like Trump arguing that he should run a company just because he's been a businessman for decades. If you ignore Trump's bankruptcies and Adam's corruption, it sounds great. But it turns out performance also matters. If you're spending your time in the field doing bad things, having been at it for a long time, is not so good. Experience does not always breed good results. In politics, it usually breeds an aptitude for bribe-taking. Certainly did for Adams. Allegedly. As always, Matt put together an all-yang clip of the debate for us. Link below and in the linked thread. PSA, early voting in New York City begins June 12th. Find your polling place and other voting information at y4ny.com. Link below. Finally, the time has come again for the North American Basic Income Guarantee Congress. Beginning June 17th and lasting three days, there will be guests from mayors for AGI to documentarians to basic income recipients and more sharing data, stories, and strategies in support of UBI. See the link below to see the schedule and register to attend. Donations are welcome, but attendance is free. And that'll do it for today's Yang Daily. Bookmark and share the Facebook Policy Thread, the Mayoral Debate Thread, and the In Big Congress. Flood Congress with calls, tweets, faxes, and letters using the ResistBot or Income Movement Easy Contacts below. If you need help, consult Humanity Forward, the Income Movement Aid Database, the Mission Asset Fund, or United Way. And don't forget, to Yang Daily.